Welcome to Farm Focus, a podcast by the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. I'm Bill Ziders, co-director of communications at PFB, and I recently spoke with Andrea Corman and Bob Fry of the Pennsylvania Game Commission about the new chronic wasting disease response plan. CWD, as you may have heard, is a growing issue impacting the deer herd in Pennsylvania. And we talked about what farmers and landowners need to know about the disease and the response to it. So I'm Andrea Corman. I am the CWD biologist with the Pennsylvania Game Commission. I'm Bob Fry. I'm the CWD communication specialist with the Pennsylvania Game Commission. Great. Um, we're here to talk about chronic wasting disease. Um, so where are we at right now with chronic wasting disease in Pennsylvania? So since the initial detection in 2012, we've had about 480 wild positive detections. Now, because of those detections, as well as captive detections, we currently have three disease management areas, or DMAs. Um, located mostly in South Central Pennsylvania, DMA 2 is our largest and has both wild and captive positives and actually contains over 90% of our wild positives, most of which are in Blair, Bedford, and Fulton counties. DMA3 is in the Jefferson County area and also contains both wild and captive positives, but at much lower densities than what we have in DMA2. And DMA4 is in the Lancaster County area and currently only contains two positive captive facilities and hasn't had any wild detections yet. And where are we at uh, in terms of like total case cases, I guess, in the state? Um, I, I know we're, we're, it's been going up over the years. Can you talk to the, the numbers sort of on that? Yeah, so over time, they've kind of almost doubled. Um, our first detection was in a captive facility, but just a couple of months after that, we had three positive detections, and those were in, um, I think, Blair and Bedford counties. The following year, we had two, then the year after that, we had five, and that was kind of when it started to nearly double every year. It went from five to 12, then to 25, in 2017, we had 79 positives. In 2018, we had 123. And in 2019, we had 204. Um, so far in 2020, I believe we've had 28. Okay. And I guess to, to someone who may not know why this is um, such a big deal, why is this such a big deal? So once you detect CWD, it does increase in spread if no action is taken. And I think the big thing for people to understand is that, is that there is a lot of uncertainty with CWD. Even though it's been around since the 60s, there's still a lot we don't know about its effects on people, animals, and even plants. Um, there's currently no evidence that it infects humans but there are other prion diseases like mad cow disease that can infect humans. There's even been studies using 
extreme exposure methods such as injecting the infectious prions into the brain of cattle, and that has resulted in infection. However, so far, it doesn't appear that they can get the disease through the more natural exposure methods like oral consumption, but it is unclear just how susceptible other species may be to contracting the disease. So this is why it's really important for the Game Commission to make every effort now to limit this disease that is known to be fatal to deer and elk and has so much uncertainty about what could occur in the future. Right, and um, there's some, I guess there's some evidence, or maybe you can talk to this better about the disease getting into the land or uh, becoming established in the land itself. Is that correct? Yeah, so there are different studies that have shown, for example, plants can actually uptake these prions and the plant itself can become infectious. Um, I believe that study was done using barley, which is something that you may feed to your livestock. And so if it does cross that species barrier, it's a big concern. Um, certain minerals in the soil can make it more infectious and some can make it less infectious. So there are a lot of studies being done as to what exactly happens once this gets into the environment. Right. So, uh, so now the plan that was passed uh, at the last Game Commission meeting. Um, so what's, what's in this new CWD response plan? How, how does it work? So the response plan kind of formalizes the Game Commission's responses to CWD. And it actually uses many of the same tools that have been used previously, for example, um, increasing deer harvest, using DMAP permits, sampling roadkill deer and hunter harvest deer, but it focuses on them at different scales with specific objectives. So in this plan, we described four different layers of geographic areas. So disease management areas that I mentioned earlier have been around since 2012 when this was first detected in the state. Those are our largest scale management area and they'll continue to function in the same way with bans on feeding deer, uh, the use and possession of urine-based attractants, and moving high-risk parts outside the DMA. Um, high-risk parts are the parts of the deer that contain the prions in the highest concentrations and include parts such as the brain and spinal cord. Um, but ultimately these regulations that are in place for a DMA are there to help reduce the risk of spreading the disease through human activities. We also have what's called the established area. This is the part of the state with the highest sample prevalence of the disease and includes all of Wildlife Management Unit 4A and a portion of 2C. Or if you look at it from a county level, we're talking about Blair, Huntingdon, Bedford, Fulton, and Franklin counties. So all of the bans I mentioned for the DMAs still apply here because this is within DMA2, but we also want to increase harvest here to try to maintain a low sample prevalence because this is the area where we are most concerned about the disease. 
We're also proposing a ban on the movement of high-risk parts from this area to protect the less infected areas of the DNA. Um, the established area actually encompasses about 90% of our positives, and this ban would actually require a change in regulation. So it's not in effect yet, but that may be something that's coming down the line in the future. We're also creating these areas called enhanced surveillance units. Um, to the public, these will simply be CWD DMAP units, and they're going to function just like any other DMAP unit. And DMAP stands for Deer Management Assistance Program. It basically just allows more antlerless tags to be provided to hunters in a specific area. So these CWD DMAP units are created for a specific reason and they have a specific purpose for us. The eight that we created this year are around newer isolated detections. And they can be either a wild or a captive detection. And since these appear to be more isolated, we don't really know the extent of the disease in the area. So was this just a single individual that happened to disperse away from others, or is this an indication of a bigger problem? So our objectives in these units is to collect enough samples to be able to answer that question and to really have a better understanding of what's happening. The plan also describes areas called containment zones. Now these are pretty small, just about three square miles in size, and these will surround the immediate area around those new isolated detections. And the goal here is to remove as many deer as possible from that area because they may have been in contact with that initial positive individual. And this will really help us to prevent the disease from spreading and becoming established. Um, these areas are probably where we will need to meet the most with local landowners and discuss different management options. Okay, so so just to recap a little bit, the, the ESUs basically are functioning like the old DMAP areas, is that correct? Yes, this is giving us an opportunity to provide hunters with more tags for those areas because sampling here is really important. That's going to give us an idea of what we're dealing with um, and what our next management steps need to be. But from the standpoint of the public, they're basically just another DMAP unit. Okay. I think, what are the, I guess, what are the key goals? Like you're looking to keep, keep uh, CWD prevalence below a certain percentage I mean, the, the key goals in these different areas seem to be slightly different. Is that correct? Yes. So at the disease management area level, all we're really trying to do is minimize the spread of the disease from human-related activities, like moving high-risk parts, ca causing congregation of deer when you feed them, that kind of thing. Um, the established area is really where we're focusing on sample prevalence and where we want to keep it below 5%. Now that 5% comes from other states such as I believe Colorado, Wisconsin, West Virginia um, have seen that once prevalence exceeds that 5%, then your increase accelerates drastically after that. 
So we want to try to keep it below this level to keep it manageable and to keep it from getting really out of control. Those enhanced surveillance units, our goal is to be able to collect 250 to 300 samples to give us a 95% confidence that we will detect the disease if it's at a very low prevalence, such as 1%. And that way we'll be able to know for sure if we're sampling enough, if we would detect it at this low level and kind of what's going on in that area. As far as containment zones, really the goal here is to just remove as many deer as possible. There is no cap on it. Um, it's really whatever we can feasibly do and however we can um, get landowners to participate. There's not necessarily a number in mind. It's more, can we prevent this disease from becoming established? Right, and that the containment zone is an area like kind of far outside where, where historically cases have been? So the containment zones are actually gonna be one small zone within an enhanced surveillance unit. So that, that isolated okay. detection that resulted in an enhanced surveillance unit will also get a containment zone. And that zone is around that, immediately around that detection, um, about a one mile radius buffer, which is equivalent to about three square miles. And because that's about where deer are going to be spending most of their time. We know that those are the deer most likely to have come in contact with that positive individual. So how, how, how is this going to impact landowners and farmers uh, specifically? Um, I think containment zones are probably the ones that would have the most impact. Yeah, so we've, we've really taken into consideration hunters and landowners, farmers, other stakeholders, and tried to minimize impacts as much as possible. Now at the large scale, there haven't really been any changes made that will directly affect landowners and farmers. Um, if a DMA were to expand, then they will then have to adhere to those additional DMA regulations, such as no longer being able to feed deer. But like you said, at that smaller scale, if a CWD positive deer is detected within a mile of their property, we may contact them to discuss working with us to help stop the spread of CWD from that area. But any participation on their end is going to be completely voluntary. Mm -hmm. So I guess what, what kind of ways are you planning to engage uh, landowners in these situations and, and, and getting buy-in from them? Well, it's a little more complicated now with COVID. Um, ideally, we would like to meet in person and discuss what they think some viable options would be. Um, at this point, we will likely send a letter to them and potentially a follow-up letter or a phone call and try to set up some kind of conversation with them, whether it's over the phone or over a Zoom meeting like this. Um, or depending where we're at with the coronavirus, potentially in person, but it doesn't look like that's an option for us at this point. Um, and really just discussing what they think could be done on their property. Um, we can give them what we think some options might be, but we plan on being very 
open-minded with this because we are really appreciative of anyone willing to cooperate with us. Um, so it is gonna be more of a two-way conversation. I would just add to that too, that we're gonna do some things like uh, some webinars, some Facebook live events, uh, and we're open to, <clears throat> excuse me, any kind of, uh, you know, we're doing, we've done Zoom meetings with the media, we've done Zoom meetings with some sportsmen's groups, we'd certainly be willing to, to do the same kinds of things with farmers or landowner groups or whoever it might be, uh, you know, to get the word out in, in place of, you know, as Andrew said, in-person meetings, if we can't do that, we're certainly looking and open to any other options. Right. Okay. Uh, we haven't really mentioned targeted removal. Um, I assume that's on the table in, in these situations as well. It is. Um, and again, that's something we will discuss with the landowners. And if they are willing to participate in that and want to move forward, then that's something that we will have discussions about. Um, they will have an opportunity to speak with USDA Wildlife Services, who would be the ones actually conducting the removals. Um, but if they are in any way opposed to that happening on their property, then that's not really an option we're going to pursue with them. Uh, what's, what's one thing farmers and landowners should know about why it's important to control CWD? So, you know, during these, you know, theoretical meetings that that'll happen whether they're zoom meetings or whatever like what, what's one big takeaway that that they should get from that well I think you know I kind of mentioned before that there is just a lot unknown about CWD and especially from a farmer's perspective knowing that potential exists for this to cross the species barrier they have a lot at stake you know, we're talking about their livelihood here. And if we can at least keep this disease at a minimum, keep it contained, keep it from getting out of control, then we have a lot more options. And they, I think, would have a lot more peace of mind if we are able to manage this disease in a good way. Um, and I think that's really kind of the takeaway from all of this is you can't take science for granted and you can't think that we know everything up front and so if we control this disease now as different management options come along maybe even one day a cure or vaccine or something comes down the line if we manage this now we can more successfully implement something like that in the future the the buy-in that you need from landowners uh is there any kind of historical um barriers you see to that or that, that you might need to overcome initially should should this come up? Well, I think one of the harder things to deal with in CWD is that right now the most successful management strategy out there is reducing deer populations. And especially right. in Pennsylvania, knowing our hunters and the extent of hunting tradition in the state, that is a really tough pill to swallow. Um, and I think that's going to be a struggle that every state deals with that has CWD. And unfortunately, you know, given the situation, we can kind of compare this to the coronavirus. Um, the only way to really stop the 
the spread of the disease is to socially distance yourselves and to stop spreading it to each other. And if we could get deer to do that, that would be ideal. Um, but you can't. And, you know, in certain areas, we have very high densities. The um, established area has been increasing in sample prevalence. And right now, um, the best way to deal with that is in reducing deer populations. Um, and so I think that's going to be the biggest struggle in getting buy-in from the public. I think I think in general you kind of have when you're looking at hunters and landowners and farmers um, I would say farmers in particular you kind of have different mindsets when it comes to deer um, you know I don't want to overgeneralize either but uh, you know hunters maybe are more resistant to larger removal actions um, whereas you know I know certain certain farmers and landowners may not be as resistant uh, to something like that. Uh, you know, how, how, how are you going to go about sort of striking a balance there um, when presenting, you know, th these needs? Well, I think for hunters, it's trying to get them to understand that while this may not be what you want in the short term, we need to look at how this is going to look in the long term. If we do nothing now, what is that going to look like in the future? And it's probably not going to look good. Um, and if we want, you know, your kids or your grandkids to hunt in the future, then this is something we need to take on now. Um, and I agree with you, you know, there are a lot of farmers that get crop damage from deer and deer are just, you know, always and inconvenience and causing damage and they wouldn't mind lower densities. And I think, you know, one thing for them and something we can have discussions about if there's any farmers interested is, you know, you can open up your property to hunting. You can also apply for your own DMAP unit on your property. And you actually have control or you can have control if you want to of those coupons. And so you can give them to people you know or people that you trust to come onto your property. And that way you're not just opening up, opening up your property to the general public and having strangers on your property. But if you want that control, you can choose who comes on. And then you can actually reduce the deer numbers on your property for your own benefit if you choose to. So one thing I would add is that you know, when, when we talk about the hunters being historically reluctant to reduce deer numbers, one thing we have consistently heard is that if that's going to be the case that we need to reduce deer numbers, they would like the chance to be the ones that, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so this plan is very heavy on emphasizing giving hunters the first opportunity to, to harvest some of these deer, but, you know, rather than targeted removals or anything like that, we're looking to give hunters every opportunity to be the first ones to go in and to be able to take some of the deer we need to hit our surveillance goals and that kind of thing. So we're definitely uh, reaching out to hunters and asking for their cooperation for sure. Has that plan, has, has a similar plan been successful in other states? I know other states have tried a lot of different, uh, different solutions to this um, to varying degrees of success. And, you know, is, is there a good example sort of, of, 
another state that's kind of done what we're planning to do here to to uh, to good results? Well, you know, it's it's very hard to compare one state to another because there are so many different factors. I mean, we even look at our deer harvest and our antlered harvest is very different from another state. And so while one state may remove antler point restrictions and have success in lowering their prevalence, that may not work here because we're not having the same antlered harvest. But we did consult with a lot of other state agencies when we were developing this plan. And so honestly, I think this take, this plan takes a lot of the best things and best options from other states and we've applied them to Pennsylvania and whatever data we have on harvest and deer numbers and what our positives look like and what areas they're in and really tried to develop the best plan possible. Um, there are a lot of things in here that other states use and they may go about one thing or another slightly differently, but the overall idea is to reduce those deer numbers in infected areas. Is there any, uh, I, um, this question comes from the report uh, I heard on the Animal Health and Diagnostic Commission meeting last week. Um, is there any new research on CWD that may help out in the future? So I think the two main ones that come to mind is one, the Penn Vet Working Dog Center is actually working on the development of a program to train dogs to actually detect CWD. So yeah, these dogs are trained to operate with a high level of sensitivity and to cover a large area, potentially you know, wooded areas, and this would be an incredibly useful tool in managing the spread of CWD in Pennsylvania, um, not only in wild populations, but this could be applied also to the captive industry. Um, another one is more related to CWD testing and analysis. So currently, the accepted methods of testing for CWD are by ELISA and IHC both of which require samples that can only be collected post-mortem. So this is why we have the head collection bins and all that kind of stuff, um, because it's not a live test. There is research being done to develop a faster, more cost-effective methods to detect CWD, um, specifically by using RT-QUIC, which stands for real-time quaking-induced conversion. So this method also actually has the potential to allow for live testing of animals. So if progress continues to be made in this testing method, it has the potential to really advance CWD detection for both wild and captive surveys. Uh, RT quick, so uh, how does that work? That's just sounded pretty wild, like. <laughs> uh. So it's more of an amplification method so and I'm, I'm a biologist, not a chemist, but just the basic understanding that I have is you take a sample. Um, one of the studies is actually using the third eyelid from deer um, and taking a sample from that. And even if it's at a very low concentration, this method will amplify it to a point where you can detect it. So if it's at 
a low level where a test like the IHC might not pick it up, this method allows you to get it to a level where you can detect if it is there. And this can be done on live uh, deer? Yes, there are studies. Um, so the one I mentioned with the third eyelid, you likely would not do while the deer is live. Um, but there are other ones looking at using secretions or excretions such as saliva, urine, feces that you could collect from a live individual and be able to run this test. Um, so I imagine you guys are, are pretty busy now with the, with the plan being uh, passed and I know the, some of the new DMAPs are, are up. Um, what are the next steps for, for you guys at the, at the Game Commission? So as you mentioned, we did just get those eight enhanced surveillance unit DMAP units up and available for everyone. Um, some of the next things we're doing is finalizing the locations of where our head bins and high-risk parts dumpsters are going to be located in the DMAs. Um, that's so, something we're hoping to have finalized by the end of this week. After that, we have been reaching out to processors and taxidermists to see if they're interested in becoming a cooperating processor and taxidermist. And for those who want to participate, um, we put their information up on our interactive map on our website um, so that people who have harvested a deer within a DMA know where they can take it and make sure that those high-risk parts get disposed of properly. Um, we are also working on the outreach that's going to occur in the containment zones and developing a protocol for how exactly we're going to contact landowners and what exactly that whole process is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure Bob can kind of talk about all of the um, outreach stuff that's going to be going on as well. Yes, we're going to certainly be ramping that up as we get closer to hunting season. As I mentioned, we'll be doing some internal podcasts. We have some Facebook live events, uh, a webinar at least one webinar coming up we've put out some press releases already but we'll be doing some others um, perhaps an article in the game news uh, we'll be looking to use pretty much any communications method we could possibly find to uh, contact you we're putting up billboards around some of the enhanced surveillance units to alert hunters uh, as they're coming in or out of those areas uh, that we're asking for them to cooperate and deposit heads in the head bins. We'll be doing some radio spots, that kind of thing. So certainly the next few months will be very busy in terms of trying to spread the word of what what we're doing and what kind of cooperation we're looking for. And where can folks interested in, in sort of participating in those webinars uh, find find those? Uh, if they go to our, our website, www.pgc.pa.gov, I believe it is, uh, we have a CWD page on the website. We'll be putting out those there. Right on the home page, we have a, a news section. So any announcements about uh, webinars and whatnot will be in the press release section there as well. Okay, great. And is there anything farmers can be doing now or looking for um, to kind of, uh, I don't know, help with this CWD issue? I mean, I think the more we get the word out, the better. Um, and if they would like to know more, they can always contact us. Again, always check our website for updated information. Um, if they want to participate in the DMAP program, 
Um, they can always call us to find out more about it if they would like to harvest additional deer on their property. Um, and, you know, also we always encourage people, if you do see a sick deer, you can call us, you can call your regional office and just let us know because we do, um, typically if it's in an area of concern where we think it's likely CWD, we may come out and dispatch the animal and test it. And we have found multiple uh, CWD detections that way. All right. Uh, is there anything else uh, I missed or that either of you would like to end on or? Um, you know, I think just something for everyone to keep in mind is CWD is here. You know, this is going to be a long-term endeavor. And we really cannot do this alone. So if we're gonna be successful at managing this disease, we need our hunters and our landowners and our farmers and all other stakeholders. Uh, we really need everyone if we're gonna preserve this resource. Yeah, I would just echo that and say that, you know, CWD is not something anybody really wants. Uh, you know, if you had the choice of having CWD or not having it, you would certainly not have it. But as Andrew said, it's here, it's going to be here for a while and so, uh, this plan is well thought out as it is, and as Andrea mentioned, you know, was put together by experts from all over the country. As good as it is, it really comes down to needing cooperation from hunters and landowners to make it work. So if we have any chance of controlling this disease, we really need that public cooperation. So that's what we're certainly hoping for. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining me, uh, Andrea and Bob. Uh, and having this discussion, I think it's important uh, that we get this information out there. And, um, and thank you and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yep, thank you. If you wanna learn more about the CWD response plan or apply for DMAP permits, you can check out the Game Commission website at www.pgc.pa.gov. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way, and all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Podbean at pfbcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.